Welcome to the Central Christian Church Podcast. We pray this message helps you find and follow Jesus. If you would like to connect with us more, please visit us at centralsj.org. Uh, two parts to this message. The first part of this message is going to be very practical on prayer. And uh, what does it look like to prayer? How, how do we, we prioritize prayer? What does, that, what does that even mean? And the, the second half of this message is going to be a little bit more, little more personal. So let's get to the practical first. I've got some questions for you with each one of these. So if you're taking notes, this is where they begin. Uh, when it comes to prayer, number one, how do, we, how do we have a healthy, vibrant prayer life? Well, number one, we, we've got to make prayer a priority. Uh, Praying has to be a priority in our life if we're going to have this this deep relationship with Jesus that we all want in 2024. The psalmist said this, Psalms 5 and verse 3 says this, In the morning, O Lord, you hear my voice. In the morning, I lay my request before you. Check it out. And I wait with expectation. In the morning, he's like eager to wake up. He's eager to, to go after God. He, he lays his request out to God. He's like, God, I know I've talked to you about it, but God, I can't wait to see how you're going to show up. I mean, this is a man who prioritizes prayer. This is King David. David is a man after God's own heart, and he prioritizes prayer first thing in the morning. In fact, Jesus modeled this practice for us as well as followers of Jesus. Our, our hope is that we, we live the life that Jesus lives. We can experience the life that Jesus Jesus lived, and so, so that requires some practice in our life. And here's one of the practices of Jesus we see over and over throughout Scripture. In Mark 1.35, it says, very early in the morning. Again, just indicating that he had a priority here. He prioritized prayer. While it was still dark, Jesus got up, left the house, and went to a solitary place where he prayed. Now, tomorrow, I would say this. If you don't get up before the sunrise, although the sun rises a lot later these days, but, but if you don't get up before the sunrise and, and prioritize prayer in this way, I don't think God's mad at you. Uh, but but I, I bring this up to say, man, we've got to make prayer a priority. Like, like not just on the list, but, but it's got to be at the top of the list to where you have time just set aside where it's just you and Jesus talking, processing the things of of life. And it's not the only time we pray, but it needs to be a priority in our life whenever we, whenever we pray. And uh, I don't know, how many of you, uh, you know people, or maybe you, you, you're someone who you're like, I, need, I get a word for the year, like my word's hope for this year, or my word's joy, whatever it is. Like, you know people like this, they have a word for the year? Yeah, that's good. Uh, I've always been super jealous of people like that. So I'm like, I want a word for the year. That's super cool. I wish I had like a, my mom's word for the year last year was hope. And every time we talk about it, she had a verse with it. I'm like, man, that's super cool, mom. Uh, I got nothing last year. Um, but this year, in, in day three of our, our, our fast, uh, I was spending time in the presence of the Lord and praying about a whole bunch of stuff, just really needing God's direction in a few areas of, of my life. And I was like, God, would you speak to me about this? God, would you speak to me about this? And God, what am I supposed to do here? And, and I felt like the Lord told me, you know what, Tim, here's, here's your word for the year. Choose joy. A phrase, choose joy. And whether I give you the answer to that or not, just choose joy. Whether I resolve that or not, choose joy. Whether, whether I come through in the way that you think I should or I don't, just make a choice and choose joy. And I thought, Wow. I think that's a word for someone else. <laughs> but, but I clung to that. I thought, okay, I'm going to hang on to that one. Uh, and I started just going into studying all these passages on joy and rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I'll say rejoice. And like it, it, this passage struck me. I think this is my verse for the year. And I want to share it with you. First Thessalonians 5, 16 through 18 says this, be joyful 
Always. Like, is there any point in 2024 we're off the hook for being joyful? No, like we're supposed to be joyful always. Now, now this is a verse. Verse 18 says this, pray continually. Let's say that out loud. One, two, three, pray continually. You just memorized a whole verse of scripture right there. Like, pray continually. This is, we we got to make prayer a priority if we're going to be people that pray continually. And then he says this, give thanks in all circumstances. We're going to come back to this passage in a little bit and talk about it a little bit more. But he says this, for this is God's will. You want to know what God's will for your life is? Here it is. This is God's will for your life in Christ Jesus. Be joyful always. Pray continually. Give thanks in all circumstances because that's what God has for your life in 2024. But, it, but I just want to hone in on this. If we're going to make prayer a priority, like it's God's will that we do this. Why? Because we're supposed to, we're called to pray continually. Now that's not just like where you stay on your knees in the fetal position in your closet all day like praying and talking to God. That, that's, that's not what it's talking about there. Although I do think that we should have like dedicated time with the Lord where the, the only thing on your agenda is just to talk to Jesus. But to pray continually just means you have an ongoing conversation with God. Before you step into that meeting, you talk to God. After you leave that meeting, God, I didn't think that went the way I thought it would, but what should I do there? And you know what I mean? Just ongoing conversation. Pray, pray continually. And if we're going to do that, we got to make prayer a priority. So here's, here's a question for you to wrestle with. And as we kick off 2024, what would I have to rearrange to make prayer the priority? What would I have to rearrange in my life to make prayer the priority? For, for some of us, it's i got to set my alarm a little bit earlier. For some of us, I mean, maybe you got young kids and prayer life looks very different in different seasons of life. But, but just a good question as we kick off 2024, what would I have to rearrange to make prayer a priority in my life? Second thing, second point is this, uh, find a dedicated place to pray. Find a dedicated place to pray. People who, who throughout centuries, generations that have had vibrant prayer life, uh, they have a, a dedicated place. It's not the only place they pray, but it's their preferable place to play, pray. It's their usual place of prayer. And, and again, this is going to look different in different seasons, but, but, but do you have a dedicated place where you go to pray. There's a very interesting passage in Luke 22. Uh, Jesus has just celebrated the Last Supper with his disciples in the upper room. And it says this in Luke 22:39. 39. It says, then accompanied by the disciples, Jesus left the upstairs room and went as usual, as usual to the Mount of Olives. Jesus had a usual, a usual place. And his usual place was the Mount of Olives. It was outdoors. Uh, some of you are outdoors people. Maybe your usual place would be outdoors as well. Uh, but, but why did Judas, who, who betrayed Jesus, he knew where to lead like, the people to arrest Jesus. How did he know where to lead them? Because he knew he was a, a disciple of Jesus. He was with Jesus. He knew Jesus' rhythms. He knew his usual place. And he led them right to where Jesus was to arrest him. Jesus had a usual Place. And so my question for you is, what about you? Do you have a usual place of prayer? If, if, if we were to ask your kids or your spouse, like, oh, Melissa's praying. Man, what's her, John, where's she at? Well, her usual place is this place. She might be on a walk, I don't know, but she's, what's your usual place? And so, so here's a question. What place would be most conducive for me to pray effectively? What place would be most conducive for me to pray effectively? And so in different seasons of life, that's looked different for me. Uh, in different seasons of life, it's going to look different for you. But make, up, make a decision right now as we begin 2024, what's going to be your usual place of, of prayer? Number three, uh, have a plan for prayer. Have a plan 
for prayer. Uh, Luke 11, one through two says this, once Jesus was in a certain place, uh, as he finished, one of his disciples came to him and said, Lord, teach us to pray as John taught his disciples. Jesus said, this then is how you should pray. And he gave them a plan for prayer. He gave them, gave them the Lord's prayer, uh, which if you've been with us through our, our, uh, in our, our prayer gatherings, I, I taught through this in, I think it was November, uh, the Lord's prayer, how, how the Lord's prayer isn't just a a prayer that we're to recite, but it's actually a model, a structure, a plan uh, for prayer. And uh, if you'd like that, you can email us. I'd be happy to to send you my notes on that. Uh, Also, there's a book uh, by one of my mentors. His name is Chris Hodges. He wrote a book called Pray First. Uh, If you haven't read this book, I'd encourage you to pick it up. He gives a couple plans for prayer, a couple prayer, prayer models. Uh, last year, we heard him actually teach through this, uh, the, the prayer of Jabez. But there's a tabernacle prayer. There's the Lord's prayer. There's warfare prayer. There's a whole lot of, of prayer models that he lays out very practically uh, that can just help you have a plan whenever it comes to, to prayer. And so if you can pick this up on Amazon and get an audible book. You can listen to it on your commutes or whatever the case may be. But, but it'd be a worth, worthwhile Read. So here's, here's a question for us to consider as we kick off 2024. What plan makes prayer easy, interesting, and effective? What's your plan? What, what plan makes prayer easy, interesting, and effective? And I would say this, if, if prayer feels boring, or if you're like, man, I don't see how people pray for an hour, or I don't see how people could pray for, for, for 30 minutes, man, I would suggest just get a plan. Uh, because there's a plan that will walk you through prayer that your prayer life would become exciting. And you'd be surprised how fast the time goes as you process life with, with God and talk to him about things. Uh, for, for me, I'll just give you personally, here's my plan for prayer. I, I, I keep a prayer list in my, my journal. And so whenever I come to prayer, I always start with worship. And I just, I just think about how awesome God is. And I thank him for how he's, he's rescued me from junk of my past. I think about the, the creation and how powerful he is. I think about what's going on. And maybe I saw a sunrise that day. And I was like, God, you're so cool. Like, wow, you did it, God. Like, that's amazing. I think about his character and how faithful he is. And, and his word says that he remains faithful even when we're faithless. So, God, I thank you for that. And I just think about his character, his, his attributes. And I, I, I talk to him about those things. And then I, uh, I process whatever I read that morning in Scripture. God, I read this, and this didn't really make sense. What's that mean? And uh, what are you saying to me through this? And I just try to listen a little bit there. And then I grab my journal, and uh, God, here, here's some things. that I just, We just need some help on these. And I pray for you, the central family, and things that I know are going on in some of your lives personally, and my family, and the community, and leadership, and our, our state, our city, our nation, and but, but that's my plan. And 75% of my time that I pray, I, I kind of use that. That's my plan. That's my formula. It just works for me. The other 25%, I, I pick one of these other plans. I use the tabernacle prayer, the Lord's prayer. Or I go on a walk and have a prayer structure that I follow. But, but I would just ask this. What, what's your plan that's going to make prayer easy, interesting, and effective for you in 2024? Have a plan. Have a plan in mind. Here's the fourth and final one for this first half of, of the message. Uh, prayer, pray with energy and power. Pray with energy and power. James 5.16 says this, the effective fervent, that's an interesting word, the effective fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. We all want prayer to be effective, right? Like, who wants to spend time praying and not be effective? Like, no one does that. Like, why waste your time? But for prayer to be effective, James says it has to be fervent. Now, what's fervent? 
Fervent literally means something that's, that's passionate, something that's hot, something that's burning. But oftentimes when we think about, about prayer, what do we think? We think, hey, Bob's praying. You won't find that in the Bible, though. Uh, in fact, there's only two places in the entire Bible. I, I dare, like, look it up. Like, do, do a research this week. Two places in the Bible where, where it says someone prayed in their heart to God. Uh, one is Hannah. Whenever she's in the temple, she's, she's in distress. She can't have a baby. She's in the temple. She's praying, God, would you give me a child? And, and it says that, that, that she's praying in her heart, but her lips were moving. And it was so strange in that culture, so strange in, in the faith, that the priest thought she was drunk. It was like, Hannah, how'd you, how dare you come into this place drunk again? Like, what, what's going on with you, Hannah? She's like, no, I'm just in distress. The second place was with Nehemiah. Nehemiah's in the, the courts in the presence of the king, and he's, he's pleading, like, my people, my, the city of Israel's in ruin, like Jerusalem's in shambles, like, we got to do something about this. And the king says, Nehemiah, what should I do? And, and the Bible says that Nehemiah, in that moment, in the presence of the king, prayed in his heart to the Lord before he gave a response, Lord, what should I say to him? And that's the only two places in the, enti- in the entire Bible where prayer is silent. All other times, it's, it's I, I, there's the righteous, they cry out to God and he delivers them from all their fears. It's clap your hands, all you people, shout to God with the voice of triumph. It's I want men everywhere to lift up holy hands in prayer without wrath or doubting. I mean, prayer is, is vocal, prayer is passionate, prayer is, is fervent. If you feel like you find yourself, whenever you pray, getting distracted and man, I get distracted too. But, but whenever you, if that's you, I would say, man, maybe take a pause on silent prayer and, and vocalize your prayer to God. It would do you so much good just to hear what you're articulating to God, to, 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 to process as you're laying out your requests to God, what are, you, what are you actually saying? It'll help you stay focused. It'll help you process that with God. It'll help you hear from God better. It'll help you not be as distracted. And so here, here's the question. What hurdle will I have to overcome to make prayer powerful experience? What hurdle will I have to overcome to make prayer a powerful, a powerful experience? And for some of us, depending on your church background, just me saying that, talk out loud to God's kind of like, I don't know. I don't know about that. Because your whole life you've been conditioned to say prayer is shh. But, but. The challenge for all of us, regardless of our upbringing, is not what, what has our tradition taught us, but what does the word of God say? And the word of God is very adamant that prayer is vocal. L- look it up. Look at this. Read Psalms. He's always crying out, lifting his voice to the Lord. And I just encourage you, as you do that in 2024, you're going to experience breakthrough in your prayer life. Your prayer life will no longer be, be mundane, but you're going to experience power in your prayer life. Now, I'm not saying at the end of this message, I'm going to invite you up. I'm going to have you pray in a microphone. I'm not, you're off the hook for that. But, but I would say this, this week, you just get alone with God. Maybe in your truck, maybe as you're driving down the road, maybe a commute, maybe after everyone's left the house, maybe before anyone wakes up, you sit in your, your usual spot. You're going to pick a spot and you just talk to God like I'm talking to you right now. And I'm telling you, I'm, if of all the things that have made a difference in my prayer life, this has got to be top three. Top three. Try it. Try it. 
And I, I'm just excited to see what God does in your life in 2024 as you, as you do that. So there's four practical aspects of prayer and just four questions for you to process whenever it comes to prayer in 2024. And now I just want to take a turn and just make this next part personal. Uh, this is really my prayer for you as we enter this new year. You say, Tim, what are you, what are you, what are you praying about? How are you praying for the church? I want to just give you my prayer for you. It's found in Ephesians chapter 1, verse 16 through 19. And, and by the way, if ever you're in a place where you're like, I don't even know what to pray, uh, pray scripture. Uh, you know it's in alignment with God's heart. It's in alignment with God's will. And if you ever think of me and you're like, I don't even know how to pray for Pastor Tim. Well, hey, pull this up. Ephesians 1, 16 through 19. I would, I would really appreciate that. Um, but, but this is what I'm praying for you. And it says this. It says, I have not stopped giving thanks for you. And I just want to pause there and say that's true for me and you. Every time I think about you, every time I pray for you, I pray with, I pray with thanksgiving. Uh, this is, today actually marks our, our fifth year uh, here at Central Christian Church and fifth anniversary since my family and I moved here. And yeah. Yeah. Well, thanks for that. And, and I would just say, man, it, it's been a joy. It, these past five years have been a joy. The, the Bay Area presents a whole lot of challenges that you guys are widely aware of. Uh, but, but of all the challenges here in the Bay Area, I would say this, you're not one of them. I, I just love pastoring you. You guys are a joy to pastor. And every time I pray for you, I pray with joy because of, because of who you are, because your heart for God, because your generosity towards God, because your faith in him, because of the stand that you take on a daily basis as you represent him here in this Bay Area, here in Silicon Valley. There's a whole lot of things that, 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 that people that have never been here say about Silicon Valley. But they don't know about people like you. And it's just a joy. Every time I go talk to people and go preach at other churches, they're like, tell us about what's going on in Silicon Valley. And I'm like, let me tell you about some amazing people in Silicon Valley. And it's you. And so every time I pray for you, I always, I always pray with joy, remembering you in my prayers. He says, I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you a spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you may know him better. That's my prayer for you. I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he's called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints and his incomparably great power for us who believe. That's my prayer for you. I pray you take hold of all of those things. And here's the first one. I'm just going to break this passage down, tell you how I'm praying for you. Number one, I pray that, that you may know God intimately. That's my heart for you. Not that you just know information about God. Not, not that, 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 that you just know what the scriptures say, but I pray you would know God Intimately, Ephesians 1.17 says, I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you may know him, so that you may know him better. That, that Greek word there, know him, is the Greek word gnosko. And it's, it's also used of a, a relationship between a husband and a wife, not in a sexual term, but, but in an intimate term, like, like not just knowing stuff about someone, but you know details about someone. Like, like my wife, Tiffany, knows details about my life that no one else in this world knows. And, and, and she's going to take those two to the grave, right? They're going to take that to the grave. Yes, yes, she's going to take it to the grave with her, right? She, she knows stuff about me. You, you, my question, do you, do you know God in that way? Do you know God like you know your spouse? Do you know God like you know your mama? Do you know, like, intimately? Do you know details about them? Gnosko, I pray that you would know him better. There's an interesting passage, and this is often a, a, a passage that comes to mind as I'm praying for you. 
and praying that you would know God. It's found in Matthew 7, 21 through 23. And it says this, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only him who does the will of my father in heaven. So in other words, it's not enough for me to give you the right answers. It's not enough for me to give you an explanation or a a fine sounding argument of why Jesus is the Lord. Because the Bible says that that, that even the demons believe that Jesus is the Lord and they, they tremble. But the problem is they just don't submit to him. He says, so it's not enough just to know that not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only him who does the will of my Father in heaven. So not just intellectual knowledge, there has to be action behind it. But watch this, not just action. Uh, Many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord. So in other words, they got the answer right. Like they know who Jesus is. He's the the king of creation. Like he's, he's the Lord of all. But they did some stuff now. Did we not prophesy in your name? And in your name, didn't we drive out demons? And in your name, didn't we perform miracles? Like, God, we served you. God, we, we were members at Central Christian Church. Like, God, we were on the dream team. Like, God, didn't we just, didn't we do it? Verse 23, then I'll tell them plainly, I never knew you. Away from me, you evildoers. And this verse actually haunts me. If you want to know what keeps me awake at night, this for you. Because sometimes we can get really good about knowing the right things to say. We get really good about wearing the right face and rocking up to church and be like, yeah, praise God, brother. But do you know him? The Greek word there again is gnosko. Do Do you know him personally? Not do you just know facts about him. Not because not you just regurgitate Wikipedia about him, but, but do you know him personally? And my prayer for you in 2024, regardless if you've, you're seasoned, you've been following Jesus your whole life, or you just started at Christmas, I pray you'd know him more. I pray that you would know Jesus deeply, intimately, very personally. Second thing I pray for you, I pray that you would experience real freedom over issues that hold you back from God's best. I pray you'd experience freedom, real freedom. Ephesians 1.18 says this, I pray that the eyes of your heart would be enlightened. Now, now it's important for us to realize that we don't, we don't just see with these eyes. We see with these eyes. And Paul actually doesn't pray for these eyes. He prays for the eyes of your heart to be, be enlightened. You know, for, for many of us, the issue isn't here, it's It's here. And even for us in the church, and Paul's writing to the church, he's writing to the church of Ephesus, and he says, I mean, I pray the eyes of your heart would be, be enlightened. Uh, to kind of illustrate that, last Sunday, I don't know if this past week you've probably experienced this too, but how many of you got up, like you went to work or you went to church and you went to take the kids to school and like your windows frosted over, like it's, it's been cold here. Uh, last Sunday, it was real cold. And, uh, and so got the kid, Tiffany's left already. I get the kids, we're, we're loaded in the truck. I, I'd started the truck, uh, turned the defrost on, uh, but the window wasn't fully defrosted yet. You guys experienced this. And so I'm like, well, it's seven o'clock. We got to go kids, like we're rolling out. Uh, but I'm driving to, there's like this patch, like six inches. So I'm driving to church like this, like roll down the windows, kids. See, anybody coming? Okay. Like, yep. Here we go. You know, the, the windows were frosted over. And, and, and you guys ever driven like that or experienced something, something like that? That's one thing whenever you're, you're driving a few miles to, to get to church. But the challenge and the sad reality is a lot of people drive their life like that. The window of their heart has been covered, has been frosted over. Because of pain of the past, 
because of what someone said to them 20 years ago, because of what someone did to them 30 years ago. They haven't let go of the bitterness. They haven't let go of the resentment. It's manifested itself in all kinds of dysfunctional ways in the present, but they're driving through life with a, with a frosted heart, with, with a frosted windshield. And Paul's saying, I pray, I pray you'd experience real freedom. And the only key, only way to experience real freedom is to have the eyes of your heart enlightened, to, 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 to allow getting in the community with some people to be that ice scraper that scrapes off that windshield so you can begin to see things a little bit clearer. So you can see God's word a little bit more visibly so that you can let off, take off the mask and say, man, here's what I'm really dealing with. In that moment, the window begins to get a little bit, a little bit clearer so you can see, see clearly. I pray you'd experience real freedom so you can drive, with, drive without, without, without hesitation. So you can drive, not just seeing through 2023, maybe you got through, like you functioned, but like you're driving like this. Well, God has a whole windshield for you to, He's got freedom for you is what I'm trying to say. And I pray you'd experience it. I pray the eyes of your heart would be enlightened so you can walk in the freedom that God has for you and you'd experience God's best. Third thing, I pray that you can see God's perfect plan for your life. I pray God's got a perfect plan for your life. I pray you'd see it. But, but number one, we got to know God. Number two, we got to scrape some ice off the windshield so we can see clearly. Then, then we can take hold of God's perfect plan for our life. Ephesians 1.18 says this, I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened or that you may know the hope to which he's called you. He's called you to hope. Can you see it? He's called you to freedom. Are you able to take hold of it? He, the riches of his glorious inheritance with the saints and whatever he has for you, his perfect plan is going to be together with, with people, together with with the saints, I pray that you'd know your calling. Ephesians 2.10 says this, for, for we are God's masterpiece. I don't know what you've said about yourself this week, but God calls you a masterpiece. He, he's created you on purpose, with purpose. He's created you with great delight. A lot of people have spoken some things over your life that, that are not in accordance with God's plan for your life. But God says you're, you're his masterpiece. He's created you anew in Christ Jesus so that we can do good things that he planned for us long ago. And if you don't know what he's called you to do, if you don't know his hidden will, let me say it this way. If you don't know God's hidden will, start living out his revealed will. And if you're like me, a lot of times I focus on what God hasn't revealed rather than just applying what he has revealed. I'm like, God, well, what about this? What about this situation? All the while he's, he's just constantly redirecting me. No, no, Tim, focus here. What have I already spoken to you? And I just want to I want to circle back to a couple of things that God's revealed in his word. This is, this is God's will for you in 2024. Uh, Romans 12, 2 says this, do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. This is God's will, that you would experience a renewing of your mind, that you wouldn't live according to the pattern of this world. And, and let me just say this, if people, if people aren't taking some shots at you, maybe it's because we look too much like them. And so that's why, well, another reason why we kick off 21 days of prayer and fasting. You're, you're, you're doing what for 21 days? Why aren't you drinking coffee? Why aren't you responding to my social media messages? Why, why are you skipping lunch again? Well, because I'm not trying to live according to everyone else. I'm trying to live according to God's plan. I'm trying to hear from heaven. Don't conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed. How do we do that? By renewing of our mind. How do we renew our mind? 
Listen, a lot of us, myself included, I'll raise my hand first. We got a lot of wires crossed. Especially, I remember when I first started following Jesus. Man, I, I, what I thought would bring me life actually brought bondage. What I thought would bring bondage actually started bringing me life. I'm like, God, I don't even know what to think anymore. Would you renew my mind with truth? And the way you renew your mind is you, you meditate on God's word. You, you, you memorize scripture. You regurgitate it over and over and over again. You replace the stronghold with truth. And for all of us, we have a stronghold. You have, you have a trigger. And this isn't my notes, but I'm, we're, let me just say this because it's for someone. You have something in your life that continues to trip you up. You, you have a lie that you've embraced as truth maybe your whole life. And you know it's not according to God's word, but you continue to stumble over your own feet. And I'm just telling you, that's a stronghold in your life. The, the enemy has created a stronghold. And the way that you tear down the stronghold is by, by saying, God, identifying the lie, number one, here's what, the, here's what I believe to be true, but I know your word doesn't say that. So I've identified the lie. Now I'm going to replace the lie with truth. God, here's what I used to believe. Now here's what I'm going to believe. I used to think this way. Now here's how I'm going to think. And honestly, initially, it might feel very counterintuitive. It's kind of like if you've, if you've always written with your right hand, now you start trying to write with your left. It's going to feel awkward, but you can do it. It's, it's this process of renewing your mind. It's this process of rewiring our thinking to think according to God's worldview, not according to the ways of the world. I'm taking too long on this one. But then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is. You want to know what God's will is? Renew your mind. Then you'll know his good, perfect, and pleasing will. First Thessalonians 5, 16 through 18. Again, we, we mentioned this earlier. I'm just, this is, I'm just hanging on to this this year. If you want to know what, what's, what's Tim processing, man, I think God, he wants me just to choose joy this year. And here it is. Be joyful always. Pray continually. Give thanks in all circumstances for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. If you've been praying, God, what do you want me to do in 2024? God, what should my goals be in 2024? Here's three of them. Be joyful always. Focus on that. Never stop praying. Pray continually. Practice that. Make it, make it your top priority every day. Give thanks in all circumstances. Man, how different would 2025 look if in 2024 we did these three things? We were just joyful always. We just made up our mind. We're just going to choose at the beginning of the year. We're going to, we're going to choose joy. I'm going to make up my mind. I'm going to pray continually. And no matter what circumstances come my way in 2024, I'm going to give thanks. Because God, you've been so faithful to me. And if you never did anything else for me, Calvary's enough. The cross is enough. I'm going to give thanks in all circumstances. Listen, you want to know what God's will is? There it is. But again, oftentimes we're like, well, God, what about this? And we focus on God's hidden will while ignoring his revealed will. And I think if we just apply his revealed will in our life, we, we take action on this, he's going to speak to us about things that are hidden. First Peter 2.15 says this, it is God's will. What's God's will? That your honorable lives would silence those ignorant people who make foolish accusations against you. It's God's will that we would live lives of integrity, that there wouldn't be anything hidden in our lives, that we'd live lives very transparent. So whenever people come to accuse us, they don't have any ammo. But I pray that for you. I pray you'd see God's perfect plan 
If you're like, I don't know what God's perfect plan is. Well, there's three verses that just kind of lay out part of his plan for you and for me. Uh, Last, final is this, number four. I pray that you'd find a place on a team, community of people, and that you'd make a difference and experience real life. The happiest people in this world that I know are people who are doing life in community and they're investing their time in things that make an eternal difference. They're not just focused here and now, but they're focused, how how can I invest my life to make a difference for all eternity? Ephesians 1, 18 and 19 says this, I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints and his incomparably great power for us who believe. I pray you'd experience his power as you live out your purpose on a team and make a difference together. Or as we say here at Central, I pray that you would know God. I pray you grow in freedom. I pray you show your purpose. I pray you live a life. You go change the world because that's what God created you to do. Let's pray. Father, I thank you.